Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And tonight, I have Jude Seymour and Brendan McAlinden. Fellas, what's up? Oh no, Brendan. Uh, yeah, no, you crushed it. Uh, I, I see, I waited for you, you waited for me, and then neither one of us spoke. Yeah, and that, there's, there's that is literally the worst. Pause. Yeah. My anyway, problem uh, is, well, yeah, is I, I was busy looking at my computer screen because uh, I, I'm just taking in this John Shannon trophy. Um, it's just the, the 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 long snapper award is just so beautiful that I I kind of lost my focus for a moment. I had you know I had a tweet out late last night, like by, an apology, like a dominant lot. This is something that should be in OFT's wheelhouse, is what I said. You know, this is like like a dominant <laughs> long snapper, like like. Montgomery Van Gorder, like for holder of the year. That's stuff like that is like right up our alley where everyone kind of like glazes over this a little bit. This should have been like one of the, one of our, this is like kind of like one of our Pisemans, especially with Notre Dame's long snapping history, uh, which is fantastic. So I enjoyed quite a bit uh, putting that article together last night, but then they had to put a apology uh, out quickly too, as well for not like hyping this more uh, throughout the season. So I feel like I failed you by not putting together a super cut of every long snap that he made this year to <laughs> I will go on by Celine Dion. I failed you. Um, and I might have to rectify that later in the year when, when I imagine we'll, uh, we'll look at some Irish, uh, our own little Irish echoes as we you know, review the best players of the year. But uh, and there's great, yeah, I might have to do that for you. Involved with this. Number one, for all the snaps, and I can't remember the number of them, but it was like I've, whatever the number was, it was outrageous. You know that he had to do. He only had one bad snap in his entire career, which is amazing. And then on top of that, all he's going to be a cop. He fits like the total like Notre Dame internet persona altogether. I mean, from from Chicago area over there in Lake Forest. I mean, all of this is just like, yeah, we should have done a lot more with this. This <laughs> this this really this. It was underwhelming, my coverage. Do you know what the bad snap was? Because I'm, I'm thinking it maybe it was that Virginia Tech extra It hold. was the Virginia Tech game. It okay. was the Virginia Tech game. So yeah, that was maybe the best hold I've ever seen in my life uh, on that, on that uh, just picking it up oh, off no. the dirt it and getting the, it up the at Virginia time. Tech, it was the Virginia Tech game last year uh, oh. the, on a punt. Oh. Uh, I thought it was the extra point that Jay Bramblett uh, picked up beautifully. And, yeah, um, he just scooped it off the carpet. It was well, oh, it was gorgeous. I. It just I'll, goes to show you how good he is when <laughs> you're struggling to think of a single bad. It just snap. goes to show you Virginia Tech's special teams <laughs> is so good they get they can affect the other team without doing anything. Funny. So one one question for you guys, and I, I saw the trophy. I like it too. Um, you guys should check it out. Um, if uh, we were t- if Notre Dame is tight end you. And sometime is O line you? Uh, are we long snapper you? Is that Scott ab- Daly is elite. Is that abbreviated? JJ Jansen. I mean, oh yeah, man. My remember, favorite hey, recruit Scott the Daly got into classes. A, Scott Alex, Daly got into uh, a fight on the field. You guys remember that? I think maybe it was like Stanford or something like that. But Scott Daly got into it with somebody and started throwing punches. So that's how you know you're long snapper you. When they're going down and getting fumbles, getting tackles, getting in fights. 
Uh, and then, you know, some of your guys like JJ Jansen, who's a, a longtime NFL veteran uh, and one of the best long snappers in the game. What is the, what's the abbreviation for long snapper? You. We're going to figure something out. All I know is that Notre Dame signed, according to 24-7, the number one long snapper this year, and Alex Peach. He's the number one long snapper. Composite, you know, those chumps at ESPN have him a little bit down the list. But 24-7 has Alex Peach as the number one long snapper, and he's just going to continue the trend of just dominance at the position. And I'm all here for it. When it comes to those rankings, you, you, have, be to, you have to step away Rubio, from 24-7. Right? Well, Coles and Rubio and Sailor are your, like, specialist rankings. Um, I think Rubio, who's actually attached to the uh, to this award, um, is probably the best one. He, he's, like, straight-up long snapping. This is, like, something that I, has been a goal of mine for most of my adult life. Like, if one of my sons is going to earn a scholarship. Uh <laughs> it's going to be as a long snapper. Uh, I know Pete Sampson has, has publicly said the same thing. Uh, it is one of, it is not easy. You, you say it like this is going to be easy, but it is certainly something that you, a kid that, uh, you know, if your son is not like a, as big and as athletic enough to make it at a division one level, you can develop a skill as a long snapper to have him be a division one uh, football player and earn a scholarship. That's the way it's to go. Snapper. It's it's Look, if Mikey gets a free ride to Shippensburg because he's a long snapper, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Sign me up. That's what I'm well, saying. Get, get anywhere. <laughs> One problem there might be is I haven't seen the Tom Loy article about Alex Peach's commitment to the university because his recruiter, secondary recruiter in this, was Chip Long. And I'm not sure if you guys heard the news, but um, <laughs> Chip Long's – he's gone. Yeah. Tom Lloyd didn't check in with somebody. That's that doesn't. He did not check player. in with Alex Peach. Yeah, Tom. Uh, Tom slipped. Uh, the long snapper. He got everybody else except Peach. Gonna have to slide into Tom's DMs and ask him what's up with the Peach. Did, I mean, did he did he call Germany? Did he talk? Did he talk to Erzberger? Because I didn't say anything about that either. Well, does he sprechen Sie Deutsch? I don't know. You know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he lives in Fort Wayne. I mean, that's a fairly. German city uh, in the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But speaking of uh, of Chip Long, there, yeah, Chip Long's out, and Brian Kelly made uh, I, he I, he made it a point right away in his in his press conference the other day uh, to address it because you yeah. know he's the worst kept secret in the room um, because Notre Dame hadn't announced anything, but everybody knew. But he he also made it a very strong point to say on multiple times for the best for the program. Um, you know, he never did throw chip under the bus um, and give any kind of specifics. And I, I would never have expected him to, um, but he was very adamant in that this was the best thing possible for the ent- entire program. And that, um, you know, he had to make the decision. So th- there's a lot of rumors going around. There's a lot of stuff that's, People are saying, and, um, you know, it, it's just a matter of, it does it matter to you or not? You know what I mean? Like Jude, does it, so the reports, you know, re- reports slash rumors coming out, you know, or that Chip Long was pretty damn abusive in, in language and demeanor, um, with football, pl- with the football players and it just, just for a lack of better terms, just a straight up asshole, uh, to everybody involved. Um, so, you know, nothing, nobody specifically tied to the, 
that has come forward and said anything, but that seems to be the general, um, the general vibe coming out. So Jude, do you, let, let, let me first start by acknowledging, I think that the hypocrisy that exists around this, right. Which is that Brian Kelly is probably from people outside of Notre Dame is probably most remembered for a sideline outburst, um, that occurred in 2011, his second season coaching in which he appeared to turn purple in the face and thus generate. He didn't appear. He did. Yeah. (laughs) He certainly did. Yeah. Purple face memes or whatever. Um, purple face Kelly, you know, there's a lot of talk, right? Um, I could probably show you a dozen examples of urban Meyer, of Nick Saban, of Lou Holtz, uh, who once famously grabbed a player's face mask and tugged him by it. Oh, the list is long for, I can show you a video of, um, uh, Nick Saban putting hands on AJ McCarron in a football game, like slapping him. Uh, after throwing a pick. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, so, uh, so that's why I want to acknowledge the hypocrisy, which is when you're winning, um, shit like this does not matter to people. Like, right. Literally, people will say, oh, it, you know, uh, they're riding him hard, but they're getting the most out of him. He's responding to it, you know? And I think that there was a conversation that happened uh, when Everett Golson was around and Kelly talking about maybe it was Brian Kelly talking about it. I can't recall, but basically the conversation was sometimes you have to have a firm hand and sometimes you have to understand that no amount of yelling will get through to people, you know, certain people. Right. And Everett was one of those people. So, you know, Brian would yell and, and, and Everett would have this look on his face. Like he was a thousand yards away. Oh, and he would walk past go right back. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I look, uh, I mean, I mean, I guess yelling doesn't work with yelling doesn't work with everyone. Um, and I think that if you're yelling and you're getting something out of the people, um, if you're, you know, pushing them to be their best and certainly that's the expression, uh, that's the opinion expressed by Mike McGlinchey in the athletic this week, um, then that's fine. But sometimes when you yell and people are not receptive to it, then, then you just start getting tuned out. And then that's when it becomes a problem, uh, for the locker room, because literally you're saying my position coach is yelling, but I really don't, I'm not really hearing what he's saying. Well, I mean, there's that, there's that gray area there too. I mean, like yelling's one thing. Yelling is yelling. The coaches have been yelling for since, since there was coaching. That's just how a lot of it goes down. I mean, even, even for calm, demeanored coaches a lot of times that you're still going to have some yelling going on. But when it, the, the gray area is when does that become like abusive? abusive? What, what is it? Yeah. Abusive. When does it come to the point where family members, parents are, you know, concerned for the welfare of their, you know, their child, you know, p- playing that, you know, when does that take the turn? I mean, is the, is the yelling, I mean, yelling's yelling, but it's really what is being yelled a lot of time. I mean, and, and how often and when does it happen? And I guess by, by just, you know, the secondhand accounts that we're getting and thirdhand accounts that we're getting, like Chip Long was stepping over that line quite a bit. I read somewhere that Clark Lee was making phone calls to offensive players, parents to check in, in to make things refined. Yeah, that was so, in Pete Sampson's article. Yes. Yes. Today. Right. So the question is, 
was he was this new to 2019 was this this brand of yelling or abusiveness um new new and unique to 2019 or was everyone was it happening in 2018 and everybody was looking past it because they were a 12 and 0 football team in 72 okay. so i mean i gotta feel that this is who we hired i mean i mean we hired I, I, a I, just th- I, I just don't think a zebra changes our stripes you know over a year or so right i mean i i believe this is the same guy but but you're right, absolutely right. We went from a four and eight football team, you know, to a 10 win football team on the strength of a lot of changes. And he was one of those changes and things were going well. So, I mean, I think even the team itself was okay with, you know, kind of okay with that. Like, all right, this is what's going to get us here. And then you have a 12 and 0 season or, you know, 12 and one season, um, you know, and kind of along those same lines. But I mean, I mentioned this, Jude, you know, right when all this stuff happened, you know, this goes back to what I reported back in January. I, I have, I, you know, I, I have a fairly decent source close, close to stuff about Long. And, you know, Brian Kelly and Chip Long were not friends. They were not buddies. They're not pals. And they're both kind of have a fiery demeanor to them. And that's going to cause some issues when things don't go great. It's just going in any job, in any facet of life, when you have two personalities like that and things don't go good, there's going to be some stuff. Now, does that mean that they can't work together and, you know, for the better? No, I mean, that I'm a fiery guy and I work with fiery people and that stuff happens. I mean, it, stuff like that happens all the time. It's just a matter of how you move on from it. It doesn't really seem like Brian Kelly and Chip Long were able to move on past their own arguments as well. So, so it only magnified it, especially in Brian Kelly's eyes, what Chip Long was doing that he thought was wrong. Um, and so if, if that can't be corrected, it was just no way. And so Brian Kelly was totally justified. And, you know, if Brian Kelly thinks that you're stepping over the line and this isn't a knock on Kelly, this is just saying he, he came up as an old school in your face, fiery coach. If he thinks that you're stepping over the line, you probably stepped over the fucking line. Um, you said, you know, just a couple minutes ago, Tiger doesn't change its stripes. But at the same time, I, I think that we have seen a, a, a mellowing of Kelly from well, I said zebra, but, but you're absolutely correct. You're, I apologize. Yeah, that would be the yoga. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you know, but you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, I made that too, uh, too black and white uh, to go back to the zebra reference. It's you're right. The, the, the changes can't happen. Uh, but I guess by all accounts, it wasn't going on with Chip Long. You know, maybe, how, how many of that is how many I, I, how much of that is sour grapes after the fact though? Like after you come out and he gets canned, and a lot of people come out and say, "Yeah, he was a real fiery guy and loved to yell." Well, here's the thing. I don't Every, think that that's the most damning the thing, thing about Chip Long, though. Isn't Chip the most Long? damning thing about him the fact that what was what was the turnaround for? for Ian book throughout this season. What, what was the thing that there was definitely, um, except Brendan, you know, Kelly spent the whole press conference defending chip longs on field performance. Well, yeah, the on field, but the, the thing that he didn't defend and the, the difference between Ian book, if you recall, the thing that they changed with Ian book was his preparation before games. Could, do you remember all of the, the news about how they changed the approach to practice that Ian yep. book took instead of it being uh, scripted plays 
after the Michigan game, they said that there was a greater emphasis on sort of like a jazz style uh, freewheeling. And we looked and they judged him based off of what he did. They throw things and saw how he adjusted. And the difference in Ian Book before and after the Michigan game, and even in the games that were laughers, right? The, the uh, Bowling Greens and even the Louisville's, there was just something not right with Ian Book, and all of that seemed to just disappear after they changed their approach to how they practice. Is that is that a choice that Brian Kelly made, or is that a choice that uh, Tom Reese made, or was it a choice that Chip Long made, how they, they changed how they practice? Because there is a difference before Ian Book had that practice approach and after that practice approach, and that seems like, like something that's more of a fireable offense, that you just fucked up Ian Book's entire first half of the season because you were trying to script a bunch of stuff and fill his head with nonsense instead of letting the kid go out there ball and then say, hey, what did you do right? What did you do wrong? I mean, uh, I, look, I know that Ian Book isn't going to say, you know, Chip Long screwed me or whatever, but... He also doesn't have to go out of his way to be effusive in his praise. And, and that was my impression at the Echoes thing was, was he honestly liked Chip Long. Like he, he was one of the people who, pro- who didn't seem to mind the, the, the well, four. I mean, I mean, that, it depends. I mean, the, the guys, in the, you know, the Irish guys, Priester and O'Malley and Samson have said, you know, on, the, on their podcast a couple of different times that if Chip Long isn't here, then, then uh, Ian Book most likely will stay at Notre Dame for his for his last year. Like there, like there was a big problem. Like I, I think a lot of fans, and I just want to address this r- real lightly. A lot of fans are, are kind of confused about what's happening right now uh, because not a whole lot was said by anybody about any of this. And then when it happened, it was like it was a a lot of media members pre- presented it as matter of fact. You know, like, like, right. yeah, this this is what's been going on, and I think a lot of people felt like they've had the wool put, you know, pulled over their eyes a little bit. Well, because this, this is the uneasy thing: the relationship between the, the right versus the access people, and, and you know, and what's appropriate and what's not not to, to report about it. Because I mean, well, you know, report, Sam, reporting Sam, an Sam. argument or a or a or a coach who yells and cusses, it, it's it's silly in a sense, right? Like if they if they were. If there was spring practice reports, which every or whichever well, there was almost all the practices were open, uh, like like twelve of the fifteen, I think, or whatever yeah. it was. And you know, for everyone for you to come out with a report, like, man, there was a lot of like this and that. That seems almost silly to report. But they um, were doing it because I yeah, remember them specifically saying, Oh, when Harry Heastan was here, you know, ne- <laughs> you always knew where he was. And Jeff Quinn, it's a little bit different. You know what I mean? So Pete Sampson liked to make that point because of the sort of difference that there was between and he highlighted the difference between Chip Long and um Clark Lee is Clark Lee is very much a reserved individual. Um and you couldn't really hear him during practices, but he always made it a point that you could definitely hear uh you know, well, the thing was like, and like with Harry, you, you mentioned Harry Heastan. The difference between a guy like Harry Heastan and Chip Long, you know, from what I can take is, you know, Harry is more like a dad. Like a, me as a father, I'm going to yell and and flip out here and there on some stuff, but you're going to get that love afterwards to know that I'm, you know, that you're doing that because you care about them because you want them to succeed. Where it just, it didn't feel like they were getting that second part. From Ch- I mean, that's important. If you're going to be a hard ass, you have to provide that other part of it to the person. 
whether you're a boss or a or a coach or a parent, you have to. Otherwise, you're just you are just the asshole out there. You are a, a prison guard, uh, sort of speak. You know, you you have to be able to 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 bring it in. And Harry w- was able to do that. I mean, you talk about Harry Heastand to the guys that he coached at Notre Dame. They talk about him like like a father, grandfather, like like he was. He was that kind of coach. Guys talk about Joe Moore that way. I don't maybe maybe it's offensive line coaches. I don't know, mm-hmm. but but you know the the heart that you have you can be hard on these kids and do these things, but you have to be able to provide. And this is not 1984. Uh, you this this is not the way the world works anymore. You can't you cannot talk to people like this um, and, and expect much out of them because there's there's a respect thing. People younger and younger and younger. And, and rightfully so are demanding respect from their elders. Like they don't need to be talked to in this, you know, or in that kind or treated in that kind of a manner. So it's a, it's a different world. It's a different game. And like I said, you know, with he stand and, you know, like we, with Joe Moore, you have to so, provide that other side. I gotta be honest. This feels like a reverse engineering on this. I, I think that they were, I, th- I think that this suddenly became way more of an issue because they wanted to fire him. And I, and I, don't disagree. I don't disagree with you. <laughs> I think I it has more to do with the the way that games were called and the approach to the offense leading into the season and a lot of the malaise that there was that um, I mean, this was a for all intents and purposes, kind of a loss season that didn't maybe necessarily need to be in Kelly saw that that was true. Well, and we'll see a, where he goes with this next hire. Chip, but he knew Chip wasn't going to get him to the next level, and so he needed to jettison him. And he also and, and he also realized that it's hard to jettison a guy who brings you your most efficient or productive offense in, in your entire tenure and entire history of Notre Dame. If you want to go by scoring average, right? So he has to have a he has to have a reason. And and you know what? I think it's a damn good reason to say, hey. Your offense was a no-show in three of the biggest games that we had in the last, you know, last year in 2019, basically. You think you, and not that I don't, I don't disagree with with a lot of what you're. I think what you're throwing out there, Jude. But you don't. Do you think that it has? I mean, let's break it down percentage-wise. Like based off, uh, based off of perform game performance and based off of dickishness. I mean, how do you? Which way do you see that uh, that pie getting cut up? If they I, didn't no show against Michigan, I, mean, I don't think that he's like fired. a fifty fifty. Is it a seventy thirty? Yeah, I, 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 I'm with Brendan. Which is it, I, the only way I can explain it is if they went twelve and zero again this year, it doesn't matter what kind of okay. assholeish things he says to kids. He's still here. Yeah, or even on eleven and one. Um, this, this gives if you they the score out, a right? t- If they score a touchdown against Clemson, maybe he's still here. Okay. You right. know, and and again, I like I. I want to tread lightly on this because I, I realize that this is a really hard job to do because Notre Dame has all the access and all the information. And if they cut you off, then you're, you're worthless. But at the same time, this like, well, this were, you know, this was the whisper around the, like, I hate, I absolutely hate the, we've known this all along. We just didn't tell you because what, because we're saving it for our premium message boards because we didn't think it was appropriate to tell you like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, it's almost like the guy was like, well, I knew they were going to lose to Michigan by four touchdowns. Like, no, no son, you did not. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and if you're going to write an article in December about how that was the rumor on the street, try not to dunk on somebody else. Um, 12 months earlier who was reporting on the same thing. That's probably a good idea, right? 
I mean, I, that's that's what I would say. That I seems prudent. I would see that, you know, the triple dunk, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I'm not naming names or anything, but that, well, that would be my approach but, to it. But let's put it this way. We, you know, Josh, through his his source connected to or in the in the long camp or adjacent to the long camp, was reporting about some, you know, look, maybe this is a not a terrible idea if Long goes Long and, and Kelly have a parting of ways. And, you know, there was a media member who took unkindly to this and, and kind of made fun of it on their own podcast, which is their right. But at the same time, like, it wasn't wrong. You know? No, it wasn't so, wrong. That's it, I think I think the way, not to get too into weeds on this, but, you know, maybe I presented it in, in not the best way. Um, it isn't something typical that I do. I, I don't go rooting around for dirt and sources on things. That's not what we do at, at our site. This is, but when we do have sources on stuff, certain things, like when we debunked the Ian Book thing last year, um, you know, about it being suspended, you know, there's certain things that we have and that we roll with. And that was one of them. And the guy's never been wrong. He wasn't wrong then. He's not wrong now. He's told me some other information now that honestly, I mean, I could put out there for hits, but it, but it, it really has no more meaning. Uh, for Notre Dame football. So there's, that's the thing is chip long. I, it's only mildly interesting where chip long goes now, you know, right. 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 If he goes, and I'm going to just pull one out of the hat, right. If he goes to Arkansas, um, you know, look, <laughs> it, it was clear that, that, you know, whatever they've dressed it up, whatever they wanted to do, mutual parting of ways, I think was the exact phrase that three, of the outlets, the three main outlets used or whatever. This was no mutual parting of ways. You know, this is chip long getting fired. Hey, and let, let me ask you this real quick, because I think this is interesting. They're going to pay him money. That's well, what the, ti- I- the timing of it all, too, because yeah. a couple weeks ago when Chip Long's name came up as like, um, you know, for Memphis and also about Ole Miss, you know, and I and then there's there was not rumors, but like kind of uh, some pretty good guesses that if Mike Norville went to Florida State, would Chip Long want to go? would have followed Mike Norville and be his offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator at Florida State. Now, when Notre Dame, when this went down with Chip Long, Norville had already named a new offensive coordinator. So did like, I mean, you could make a, a tinfoil conspiracy theory too that they didn't want Chip Long going to Florida State, a team that they're going to have to face. Sure will. You know, I'm just... Except they're going to place Arkansas next year. So if it's Arkansas, eh. then same problem you know? i don't think they're worried yeah, about well, talent as yeah. much as florida state's talent can can always rise up sure. but i don't know it, it, that's just a funny coincidence thing i guess i guess that uh that you look at how about this but, how about the fact that that the irish illustrated guys are openly talking about the fact that todd light's not coming back next year so where, when's that firing happening you know or, or is that, did you know is that, that a mutual I, I was, parting of ways i was <laughs> checking on the uh the notre dame staff website und.com and until echoes uh, Chip Long was still on the staff directory as being the offensive coordinator of Notre Dame, and it wasn't until no echoes that they finally – that was the ofi- the official – as far as I'll take it, the fact that he was on the staff website. Well, that's the official I'll, I'll time that, that he was – I'll say this, Brendan. They do have problems with that website every once in a while. Still, I mean, that's <laughs> the, a summer big Lance Taylor disappeared off of it, and I had to make sure I, I got a hold of Michael Birch, uh, who, who was still the SID then. Like, hey, what what's going on with Lance Taylor? Because uh, <laughs> he's not on this on the staff list anymore. Uh, I mean, if look, if there's a mutual parting of ways with Todd Light, first of all, where's he going? 
And if he's not going anywhere, then he was fired. And why was he fired? Was it was it on field performance? That's fine. Are we going to hear that it was on field performance, or is there suddenly going to be some sort of character issue? I don't what, think so. What, but. what are you going to hear about it? I I, I don't think you're never going to hear. You're not going to hear a character issue well, about Todd Light, not from no. Absolutely. Even if there was, Maybe he ends up as the defensive coordinator of Charleston Southern, right? He joins Autry Denson's staff at Charleston Southern. That makes, <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? I mean, you can spin it that way, sure. Really, anything makes sense at this point, I don't right? Know. Right. But I think you know what. What's I think what's kind of important to see right now is who's been out in the recruiting trail, still locking it down. You know, what I mean, and I haven't heard too too much of Todd Light. Um, Did you maybe, hear much of Todd Light beforehand? Well, that's kind say, of the problem, that's right? Kind of the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's one defensive back left that they're hunting down. That's the uh, Ramon Henderson out there in California. You know, is who's handling that exactly? I, you know, is it just Polian? I don't know. Uh, it seems like Polian's pretty busy. He, him and uh, Delvon and and uh, BK and uh, Lance Taylor were, you know, are making their rounds together on some guys. So, you know, yeah, when's that going to get a night? That's probably a post signing day kind of a thing, anyways, well, right? Like, why? I. Well, for typical reasons, just making sure that <laughs> making sure that's not going to affect right, somebody's so, decision. So why why isn't Chip Long a post uh, signing day thing? That's I th- the question, or at least why wasn't Chip? Well, they probably I had. Think to that was, I think Long that was something that they weren't going to be able to contain. Yeah, like, was like, like, be, like someone someone was going to roll that. Three people talking openly on probably the most listened uh, Irish beat podcast is I about sure Todd Light being gone is not something they they're are they containing that well. Well, they're who's, not, so, they're not so addressing the question it, right? He's a he's a position <laughs> coach. He's not a, he's not a a coordinator. offensive coordinator. Who's handing out the offensive player of the year trophy at Irish Echoes? It wasn't Chip Long, right? So that's why the that's why they had to to announce Chip Long beforehand. Because are you going to have Chip Long handing out awards to uh, Ian Book when you're going when you know that you're going to fire him? And look, and here's the thing about Todd Light. Later, here's the thing about Todd Light that 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 isn't chip long. All right. Todd light played in the NFL as a, was a star in the NFL for many, many years. He is a Notre Dame graduate. Todd light has other, has other things that he can do with his life than be a football coach. So having said that is, did he make a life decision where there's something else that he wants to do than this? Did he, did he look at the ceiling that he has as a coach and think, you know what? There's other things that I could do that would be more productive with my time, financially, for my family. All that's a, why, why are we Why are we pretending like he's still on the staff then? That's a good question. Because they haven't announced. Because, they haven't announced, announced it, and you want to treat him with <laughs> kid gloves because, like, Todd Light is one of the all-time, all-times, well, right? Like they did Notre Dame. It was a lot. It's a lot like, like Patrick Denson. Spot. Yeah. Where they, they were not going to they – they let, they let Denson basically decide – how that was going to go. That's yeah, I agree with that. Cause Autry, like Autry Dense is the all time rushing leader and Todd light is probably the greatest defense, the greatest cornerback to play at Notre Dame ever. Right. Well, you're going to let him coach the bowl game. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. Why not? Well, I, I mean, what, I, yeah. it's not going to hurt recruiting. Cause he's not like he's out on the recruiting trail anyway. You still need a staff for the bowl game. Just yeah. I mean, <laughs> super awkward. Like the guy is leaving. Everyone knows he's leaving and it's easy. Right, but it's not so easy. He's either he's firing, he's on a delayed firing, or he's he's he hasn't announced his next step, and they're letting him stick around, which is very—it's just odd. Yeah, I mean, odd maybe to you, but I mean that, that happens. I mean, guys is, that are guys like, that are going to retire or 
or move on. Everyone knows it, and he still coaches the bowl game. That stuff happens. Uh, so it's it's not it's yeah, not unheard of. You announced the retirement before the right. bowl game. Right. Yes. They're not announcing it. It's something that Todd doesn't want to do just yet. That's what I'm saying. I think I think this is all based off of what he plans on doing. How he plans on doing it. That's also assuming that Todd Light is in fact. <laughs> that is also assuming that Todd Light is in fact fired or um, mutually parting ways. I mean, I, I mean, I think based off of like Jude said. I mean, I I respect and and defer to uh, Priester and O'Malley and Samson. Yeah, absolutely. As yeah. far as you know, facts go from the from thing. I mean, those guys are 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 as professional as it gets on their insiders. We're not. Yeah, they're well, they're insiders. Good, they're, we don't. They're as a professional as I mean, even like insiders for other programs will do things. Those guys are pretty cut and dry with a lot of stuff. So yeah. for them to be, for them to, like Jude said, openly say it over the course of the last three weeks and to be so like firm in that, they know what's, you know, so this is probably, this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when and how and why, why it went down that way. We're not going to know any of those answers until it actually does happen. Um, and even then, it, it maybe it just gets glossed over and, and no one cares. I don't know. Okay. So I, I want to change the subject a little bit to a topic that a uh, friend of the pod, Greg, and I have been talking about a, for a couple of days now, which is um, Brian Kelly in his, in his press conference was asked a question about position coaches, if he was going to look at specific areas. And he somehow took that to decide to talk about He's already made tough decisions. And the quote here is, I've had to make other tough decisions. I made them a few years ago. I had to let go of guys who stood up in my wedding. So I'm not afraid to make tough choices. And my argument to Greg is, there's literally no difference in, you know, from, from our perspective between letting go of a friend because you're trying to save your own butt after a disastrous 4-8 and eight season and maybe your boss, athletic director Jack Swarbrook, tells you to make, this, to make choices or else you're gone. And or doing the thing where you have to make the tough choices because you know that that brings the program to the next level. So I am of the opinion, and I don't know this is a popular opinion, but I'm of the opinion that Kelly won't fire his friends. That Kelly will only fire his friends if forced to fire his friends. And that's problematic because we have people on the staff who are who are his friends right. and are underperforming. Right. <laughs> Quinn. So it's in reference well, to Brian Van Gorder. Right, we're going to take a quick his, break. Think of, I'm a, I need to get a halt in the podcast for one quick second, and we'll come right back and answer this question. Uh, we'll be right back answering about BK and his buddies. All right. Brendan, continue on. So the, the references that BK had was Brian Van Gorder, who stood up at his wedding, right? So And he fired him oh, during the season. Dan Brock was the one? Dan Brock and Paul Longo. And Jeff Quinn's been with him for. And Jeff, Jeff Quinn's been with, with him, him for time and twenty, was 20 years. With him at, uh, BVG's been with him at various stints as well. So, yeah, like I mean G- these are Grand Valley. He's fired. He's fired four people that we know of: Longo, Long, Van Gorder, Denbrock. Right? Three of those people, all three of his friends, were jettisoned after the 2016 season. Well, and I mean, there's been other let goes, but it's been a general like. Like Charlie, like Charlie Molnar, <laughs> you know, uh, former offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. They ushered him off to be the head coach at UMass. Uh, basically, in a way to you're getting fired, but we're getting you a job. Um, kind of, we're, we're giving you a soft landing somewhere. Um, 
but I wouldn't consider, I don't believe Charlie Molnar was a good friend of Brian Kelly's. I could be wrong, but I don't think that was the case. So, so the assumption here is Jeff Quinn is the one, right? Is, is that, is, are we all on the same page? Right. Sort of that's what he's alluding and to. Part and parcel of this, and, and this is what drives people nuts, is that for better or worse, the perception of the program from an outsider's perspective is that Tommy Reese is a Brian Kelly guy. I don't know if they, I don't know if you want to characterize it as friends, but yeah. when people hear that, you know, Tommy Reese is the front runner or that he's the presumed favorite or he's going to get the most looks or the most opportunities or whatever, then people, this, this reignites the whole thing about you're Cronyism. just looking out for your friends. Right. It, it, it all boils down to, I mean, cronyism is such a negative connotation Napotism. anyways. So when it's you, when you bring, when you bring that up, when you, when you see something along those lines and you instantly bring that up, you're always fighting the negative, right? Like there's, you, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't put up, you can't hoist up the positive points of any of it because you have to fight off the negative points first. And with Tommy Reese, with, with the rumors spread around that, that this was basically his job to lose, so to speak. Um, the only thing that I did for three days was kind of battle around with people about the negative connotations with uh, the cronyism that 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 it, it would be perceived to be because you're right he is a BK guy I mean you got to think Tommy Reese was there year one with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame 2010 he was a freshman so he went his whole career four years at Notre Dame and then you come back <laughs> you do a little coaching here and there grad assistant job and a little stint in the NFL you come back and you've been coaching quarterbacks for what, three years now. Mm -hmm. So that's a Brian Kelly guy. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, he was the recipient of the purple face. By it, the way. He will be on. He, no, TJ Jones was the recipient of the purple face. Was it because it did bounce oh, off it was the back of his head? It was bounce yeah. off of TJ's the back shoulder. Cause he wasn't paying attention, but yeah. regardless. Um, and if we were to make a Brian Kelly coaching tree, Tom Rees would be on that Brian Kelly coaching tree. This is Brian Kelly's legacy. If, right. if Tommy Reese, if Tommy, Reese, I told this to Greg, right? The most, uh, the, the most highest risk, highest reward move is to promote Reese to offensive coordinator. And if Reese makes it then, and he becomes an off a great offensive coordinator, and then he becomes a head coach somewhere and he says success, then that is like, you know, that's like, that's Bobby Bowden, Nick Saban level shit right there. Right. right. Uh, if he falls on his face, then you know, then obviously that's a, that's a huge problem for Brian Kelly. Right. Um, and then I think that the, the middle ground, and I'm, I'm kind of getting off the, the question I asked, but I think the middle ground, the more, the safe play is if you're, if you are convinced that you want to hire Tom Reese as your offensive coordinator, then make him your co-offensive coordinator, your passing game coordinator with Lance Taylor as your run game coordinator and make that a thing. And then who's, who's calling plays, Tommy. Uh, I mean, I mean that that's that that's the bigger question I think in front of everybody's minds. That's my is, is that it's not even it's not even really the titles. It's who is actually calling the plays. I and don't think BK's acknowledged that he doesn't. Want no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not insinuating at all that. No, no, no. no you are. Yeah, yeah. But but between you know, so between Taylor and Reese, and I guess one of the things I brought up with is like look, Taylor's on the ground. I mean, Chip Long wasn't wasn't on the ground offensive coordinator. So this isn't like a a black and white thing. As far as like, you know, if you're on the ground, you can't call plays, but uh, most offensive coordinators like being up in the booth. So they can, yeah, you know, or mo most of them, 
that's where they're comfortable at to see everything. And that's where Tommy's at. So does that make him more likely to be the play caller then? Because he's seeing things at a whole other level, figuratively and literally, uh, you know, to, to be able to, to go run through those plays. I don't know. I, I've never been a, I hate the, the whole co-defensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator kind of thing. I think that I think it's a compromise gone too far. Uh, a lot of cases, but I mean, worked perfectly it, for Clemson. No, 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 no. I mean, that's defensive it, though. It, yeah, no, it, that's offensive. Tony, yeah, but I mean, it, right. is everything's, everything's got an outlier, right? Everything's got it. But I, I think in most cases that probably wouldn't work. Um, and you got to remember, how do you fail with Clemson's schedule and Clemson's talent? I mean, <laughs> give me, come on. Um, but you know, in that, in that case, I mean, you got Lance Taylor, this guy who, Wait, 2019 Clemson? Because they've been doing this for three, four years together. They've been doing it since 2015 together. And you can go even right. further and back. And they, well, was, you're going to say, oh, well, you have Deshaun Watson, so of course you're a you're good, you're good offensive coordinator. But then that's the whole chicken and egg thing, right? Which is, if if Ian Book is great next year, is that because Tom Reese is a great offensive coordinator? Or is, it, or is that because Ian Book made a, a leap well, yeah, within himself? I mean, I mean you, can, you, you, can like, you can expand this into the outer universe if you want. Right. But you can't deny the fact that Clemson's had great talent on both sides, on the offensive side, great offensive talent, and has played a schedule that's not really so, all so that demanding. Which is, if Tom Reese is a success next year, um, is it because Ian Book was, you know, made a Joe Burrow esque jump in his own development? And how much of that is? I think is it, I, I don't think I don't Reese. think it's binary. I think I, I, it could go one way or the other. I, I don't think one. I, it's not post hoc ergo proctor hoc. It's <laughs> it, it, could, it could be one way or the other because one did or one didn't. Uh, I, I, I don't equate all that, you know, into the, into the same lump. But do, don't you understand this is exactly what fans do, right? No, Jeff, I, trust like me. me. Trust, dude, no trust. passes because the right side of his line was decimated with injuries. He no, just trust me. I've, I've seen it all go, la- right? the last week. I'm just saying I'm not a huge fan of it is all I'm saying. I, I like the, the normal concept of, who is the offensive coordinator? You know, a lot of that is what I think of offensive coordinator. Let's just put it this way. When I think of offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators, those are the guys calling the plays, regardless of all the other, any other of the duties that they have. If a person is a coordinator, I would consider them to be the play caller. Uh, right. Unless the coach, the head coach, you know, decide what like what I'm saying to you is it's impossible as fans and not in, and I would say even the beat media because they're not they don't know how the plays are supposed to go, right? So right. when a play when a play doesn't work in Ann Arbor, is that because the play call was terrible, or was it because the execution of the players itself was terrible? Oh, I mean that could be anything. I mean, <laughs> right? And who well, called and that? What I'm saying is, right. is how much of Chip Long? How much do you blame Chip Long for? the failures of this year and how much do you blame the, the, the personnel and how much do you blame Chip Wong for not understanding his personnel couldn't execute his vision? Well, I mean, I, that's kind of sideways of the conversation we're having. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it's a, there's a half an hour. I think there's definitely an execution thing. There's, there was definitely a, a lack of um, trust between Chip Long and Jeff Quinn, according to everybody. Uh, and so I, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of things going into that pot. And just because a, a pot's been boiling for a while and uh, it's got a bunch of ingredients, doesn't always make it tasty, you know. So it, it could be it could go any any so, which way. 
I guess my question is how many of the 29 false starts that Notre Dame had this year coming mm-hmm. into the Stanford game are attributable to Jeff Quinn and how many are just Liam Eikenberg's the twitchiest mother effer since uh, Mike McFlinchy? Well, I mean, well, if- there, you just answered <laughs> your own question. Right. I mean, I just think it could, it could happen. You could not to mention, you know, Pete Sampson has, has, has nailed that down a few times. Like the, the operation itself, like the, the clap count, all the, you know, all that stuff. Like what, what is different now that, that it was last year, even with when Quinn was coaching. And a lot of it has to do with that clap count. So, but the thing is like during the season, how much can you change? Like, I would think that would be something that, that could be changed mid season. Right. Like there's a lot of things you can't change in midstream during the season. It's just, it's what you have. You have to work around it, work with it. I would think your snap count and the way that you have that operation could be changed. They, but they just didn't. No, uh, the biggest, they, the biggest they change replaced last the year was this season last year and didn't have this many problems. No, the biggest change between last That's year and this That's year is the fact that at Georgia, at Michigan, instead of at, at what Virginia Tech, what was the what was the what was the strenuous right. environment that Notre Dame's offensive line had to worry about a snap count last year? Cotton Bowl. Right. The Cotton Bowl, and th- that was a disaster, right? How many? I think there was a handful. Uh, There's two or three false starts in that game, right? So, yeah, but and it's not, it wasn't just false starts against Georgia. It was it was Boston College. They were. It so was, I guess, dude. I guess my question is to you. I mean, what's your point with this question? When we're well, talking about we're Mike McClinchy, like so we're talking about defensive co- or co-offensive coordinators. I guess I was going to end up saying, like, look, this is more of a nod to Lance Taylor. Like the reason that Notre Dame brought him in. Well, um, you were saying because of, you know so what, he's the opposite were, of what Audrey Denson was, and then the guy saying, who can recruit. So there's that like titles are thrown to people for reasons like like when you call a guy an assistant head coach, it's a title you give them because it makes them feel good and better about them not doing something else. Not getting so, a DC job, right? So I mean, I look at it more like that. Like if that was a kid, I just a coordinator to me is your play caller. So if it's going to be they're going to call them co-offensive coordinators and Lance has got is putting together the running game and Tommy's putting together the passing game, but Tommy's calling the plays. Then to me, the Lance is just given a bone there with the co with the co-name. That, that, that's all, I, that's all I'm saying. And he's getting a seventh figure on his paycheck, right? Cause right. if you're I mean, a co-offensive coordinator, you better be getting paid a million dollars. I'm saying it's a, bo- it's a bone thrown your way. It's not necessarily a, a you don't think it's collaborative then. I think it's always collaborative. No, no coordinator. You're not going into your game week with the so coordinator. What, what does it matter? Office with calls no play then. Coaches. Look, if, if Tom Reese and, and Lance Taylor are discussing, first of all, if they're, if they've scripted out the plays, right. Or, or not, I don't know. Um, and if they're, if they're constantly chattering with each other about situational, right. Okay. Third and two, this is what we talked about. We're going to do the, you know, the run play or whatever. Um, then who does it matter if who's the one relaying the play? I mean, it's all it's collaborative, right? Then and essentially they're both calling the plays. Well, then so something doesn't uh, something that, 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 doesn't that, 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 work. I, what do you do? That's not that's not going to work. If that's how it works, that's not going to work. There has to be a play caller. There, I mean, regardless of the conversations you have, and look, they all have conversations. This isn't a like I said. This isn't just for. A, a play caller sitting down and not getting any input from any coaches through practice or during the game, th- that's going to have, that's going to happen anyways. I'm just saying, so <laughs> yeah, you're just, they're not going to sit there and both have a chart and be like, Oh, maybe we should do this one. Oh, maybe we should. that's not how it works. Number one, there's a, there's a freaking play clock. 
the, the, the operation would be slow and murky and you run into a lot of pitfalls that way. There's a play caller is going to be a play caller and he's going to go off of the information that they have throughout practice all week long. Cause they're going to go over all those scenarios. Coaches are not tied down to the 20 hours a week, obviously that the players are, those guys are living, breathing football the entire week. It's why their family life suffers during, during the season. So all this stuff is going to be, and it, is going to be hashed out and it already is done that way. Regardless. I mean, whether you're a co or not, you're involved in that. If you're a linebackers coach, you're, you're in there with Lee with or Lee is a linebackers coach, but you know, if you're Terry Joseph, you're in there with Clark Lee all week long, talking about different coverages and what you see and all that. It's everything's, everything's collaborative. The whole word collaborative just makes it sound, sound better but it's all collaborative. That's what coaching as a coaching staff does. I mean, essentially then if it's all, coll- I mean, then you end up with the 2014 Mike Dembrock, Brian Kelly, who's call and play scenario and you get uh, delay of games on the first snap of the play of the game. Right. Is, is, is that what we're looking for? We still get that. <laughs> we did. Well, it's been a hot minute, but yeah. I mean, if it's not Tom Reese and it's not the Tom Reese sort of Lance Taylor uh, two headed monster, what is it? So, so if it's not Tom Reese and that's in, it sounds like they're probably maybe going to open up some sort of a, a national coaching search and maybe Tom, Tom well, Reese, Lance Taylor we, used the bowl game. I mean, who is, is it that's that? the, I don't, no, I don't know. We, we don't know that there's a national search. Right. No, we only, said anything. We might said, never know that they did thorough, it. Right. He said that we're going to have a thorough search. That's the right. only yeah. phrasing that he used. Thorough. So, I mean, you could drive a Mack truck through the word thorough, though. So who's calling? I, I, I mean, who, I agree who, with that. If it's not Tom Reese and Lance or Lance Taylor, some amalgamation of the two, who is it that's calling plays, um, you know, come 2020? I, you know, I don't even have, I, I had a couple of names. And even then, I, I don't know. I, I mean, mean, can we once and for all say it's not going to be Joe Brady? Yes, it's not going to be Joe Brady. I, this this like, is the problem. This is the problem. I don't, with, I don't understand with, people that they're they're like, well, what's Tony Alford doing? Do you think he might want to come back? He's working at freaking Ohio State, the number one or number two team in the nation. I think he's all right. Joe Brady isn't Alfred even the got OC. passed up for Colorado State again. Yeah, like, like I many, don't even know. Is Joe Brady? Does he even call plays at LSU? Because last I checked, no. he was the pass game coordinator. Right. Yes, so that, I don't even know if Joe Brady can call plays. Yeah, and so, Singer is their their offensive coordinator. So, so and yeah, I'm I, all for backing up a Brinks truck and getting somebody. I'm all on board of of Team Brinks truck, but where do you go? Well, that's the thing is, do you hey, still, do they even want to leave? Do you I mean uh, Brinks truck or thing. not? Are you make they the, even you make the call just to make sure you check that box so that you could that you could say with a straight face, yeah, we we reached out to Joe Brady like. He fucking we told us he loved being at LSU and, and in the right, South. The, the, o, the, the OC of Oklahoma. He's co-OC, uh, bed and ball, right out in, in, in Oklahoma under Lincoln Riley. I'd take that. But, I mean, you're going to have to break, you're gonna have to pay him six figures. I don't think he gets paid a million dollars at Oklahoma. So maybe you you kick the tires on that. Um, well, that's seven figures, Brandon. But yeah, I, yeah, seven figures. I'm on Team Red well, Lashley. I, I, but, I get your point on that, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm on, I I'm on Team Red Lashley. Who is the last big-name coach? Assistant that Notre Dame hired, John Tenuta. John Tenuta, Blitz, Blitz. Uh, yeah, Captain. Uh, technically, you could say that Brian Van Gorder was the last one because okay. he was an NFL uh, defensive uh, coordinator. How well did John Tenuta and Brian Van Gorder work out? Terribly. Not so hot. Yeah. No, so bad. I mean, it doesn't have. This does not have to be. You know. And do we have a Broyles Award winner? 
in that time? Yeah. Bob Diaco. Bob Diaco. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, How'd he do? Brian Harden. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Harden. Why don't you just, uh, <laughs> you go to uh, Mac championship coach, head coach, Chuck Martin, right? You just won the, 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 that's the Brian Kelly tree. The most successful member of the Brian Kelly coaching tree just won a Mac championship over at uh, Miami of Ohio. Uh, you could you could kick those tires again. I just don't think that's I, I don't think I that's happening. No retreads, Brendan. I, I thought you no I, offensive coordinator is a young man's game, and it's I don't think that it's a young young man's game. I don't think so that you're it's just advocating uh, for a guy who's got to be in his mid fifties, right? He's, he's uh, fifty one, um, but no, I was just saying it more if you wanted to go to the the the, the Cali tree. But I want somebody in that like thirty six to forty range personally that's that's hat cut their teeth maybe at a fun belt sun belt you know or a what? mac i guess or, i'm gonna sound I'm like a fall all in charlie weiss jr man let's do it i, I mean, don't i'm gonna, do, I'm gonna sound like a gold digger right now but i mean age ain't nothing but a number i <laughs> i I, I i do not equate in this day and age as far as like a as that goes i really don't equate age to being any better hey but like even though the analytics tell you not to punt on fourth down in certain circumstances, people coaches still do punt on fourth down. Why? Because they're risk averse, right? Dude, and so went over this. Right. Who's the so, most? Who's the most successful offensive coordinator, points scored wise, in Notre Dame football history? Chip Long? No, it's not. Skip Holtz. It's Skip Holtz. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's twenty-eight, 28 years old. Yeah, same age. Same old. age as uh, Tom Reese. So. Actually, one Maybe year older. Or one year older. Uh, but when 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 um that, uh, that, Tom that young, that year makes all coaches, the difference. When when Tom well, Tom Reese actually is in May, so yeah, he'll be twenty eight in May. He'll be twenty eight. So the most successful, technically, because that ninety two team was the highest scoring team in Notre Dame football history. The ninety three team, he was also the OC in the ninety three team. Should have won a national title. Uh, if it wasn't for the cowards in the AP and the coaches poll giving a lifetime achievement award to uh, Bobby Bowden. Um, can we, can we sidebar for a second? Josh, do you know that story about Skip Holtz, about Skip Holtz getting hired? Um, so, yeah, so, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let me tell you, let me tell the listeners just in case they don't know. Cause I just learned this the other day. It's fantastic. Holtz calls up Bobby Bowden at Florida state. Right. And he says, I'm interested in, in, uh, in your, one of your assistants, who's not an offensive coordinator. He's a offensive. I, I don't know if he was an analyst or a, a position coach. By the name of Mark Richt, and uh, Bobby says to him, "Yeah, that's fine, Lou. But if you're if you're going to take Mark from me, I'm going to take Skip from you." And so Lou said, basically, and who knows if this was reverse engineering this justification? Well, if I was going to lose Skip, then I might as well just make Skip the offensive coordinator. You know, I don't want him to be offensive coordinator at, at Florida State. I want him to be offensive coordinator for me. So he passed on Mark Rick to get Skip Holtz. Can you imagine if Brian Kelly did something like that? Oh boy, yeah. But I even mean, even if Brian Kelly would have won a title in two thousand, say Notre Dame plays Kansas State in two thousand twelve and wins a national championship, and look, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Well, first of all, I don't think Kelly's sons are old enough to be no, offensive no. nor were they previously wide receivers coaches for the team. So. <laughs> I'm Back. just I'm just saying there, there it's a different. There's a different outlook too nowadays. Absolutely different. Look, and if he'd if he had failed, I mean that this would have been a, a tarnish on an otherwise sterling legacy, right? So, yeah, but he I certainly did. Fail would have been so. He did the opposite of fail. He he went 
He went. I mean, he had the greatest collection of Notre Dame offensive talent, probably that a lot of that they maybe have ever had. That '92 team was probably which the greatest. Brings collection. me back to the question, which is how much of that was Skip Holtz being a great OC, and how much of that was just having Rick Meyer and you know and Jerome Bettis. Jerome and Bettis. And, I'll, yeah. I want to say this about about May. Tom yeah. Reese hashtag Reese's. There has been a lot of us in the internet community, uh, internet Notre Dame community that have not necessarily backed Tom, Tommy Reese, but we're supporting him in a way of like, look, if, you, if they were going to name him the offensive coordinator, there's a lot of us. So I think the, the phrase generally used was I'm cool with it. I'll, I'll go with it. And you get a lot of, we've got a lot of backlash from, you know, from fans, you know, over that. And, just a lot of reasonings that were thrown out just are just, I don't know, kind of phony in a way. Like here's the, here's the one here, I hate what, the what, most. Listen, one of my favorites was yeah. how was, how was Tommy Reese going to handle the pressure of being a play caller? Right. And I'm how, thinking like, how much more pressure can you have on you as a quarterback at Notre Dame? Or Josh, I mean, how about this one? How about this one? His decision-making was so bad as a quarterback, how could we trust him to make decisions as an offensive coordinator? Like, yes, that's as, if, as, if on-field performance, as if on-field performance equates to coaching performance. Like, let's Who was the only person every- to score a touchdown against Michigan in the undefeated season? <laughs> Who was the one ran, that led the team on the game-winning driver against Purdue? We all remember the goal-line stand against Stanford, but that goal-line stand doesn't mean shit if not for what person? Right, but what, what person? Uh, what you, I also what remember Pulse, though, what Brendan. What point is, I what my point is, is that... I remember Florida State and the chance. And I remember 2013 as well. None of that matters. None of it matters. None of it matters. Of course. I remember Pulse. It was... You know, was was Lou Holtz a great college football player? Was Nick Saban a great college football player? Was Steve? Was Brian, I mean, wait a second. Steve Spurrier yeah. were a Heisman. But kind of. <laughs> was Urban Meyer a great defensive back? No. Yeah. I mean, it does it does not equate uh, in the way that they that you want it to. You could use that, and then there's like, well, how can he? How can he make those? How can you make those decisions on the field with throwing those interceptions and be a coach? Like, look. Tommy's got balls, first of all. Tommy's tough as nails, and Tommy is a team guy. Uh, I'll put those out there. But he, Tommy never had the arm. Right, let's face it. His physical abilities were never there to be a top quarterback at that level at Notre Dame. The physical and he maximized every yeah. single yeah. bit of it. That takes something. He knows that off. He is, a, he is as cerebral as it gets. And he was when a it comes, He was a he, yeah, he fucking won. He won. <laughs> he won football games. He, I mean, I, I guess I'm on board with it because I think Tom Reed. Listen, when what he went through at his time at Notre Dame and the stuff with Golson, you never heard a word. I mean, he was the ultimate teammate. He was the ultimate team guy. To me, that says more about him as a coach in the future than as a than, than what he thrown an interception. That means he's putting team first, putting all that. You know, in front of him, and then I, I love the fact that people want to like, well, he got arrested, he beat up a cop. First of all, let me tell you, he if you ran from, away, listen, ran if away, you run from a cop, he got attacked by a cab. If driver. you ever run from a cop, they are going to charge you with an assault once they tackle oh. you to the ground because every cop is pissed they had to chase you down. You're going to get charges tacked on you no matter what, and you, you can't get out of those uh, very easily. <laughs> so he just he ran from a party. He was underage drinking. And Big, speaking of which, like, by like, the cab driver, though, it wasn't even the cop. It was like the cab driver. 
mean, and, come on. And just remember that Tommy Reese has never been to Ireland because of that. He missed yeah. out on the trip to Ireland because of that. Well, he's going He's going next year. He's going Regardless, next year. No matter what happens, time. he'll be heading to, to Ireland. I wonder how many times that will get brought up now that uh, game day is going to be there. <laughs> Maybe uh, a couple. I can't wait for the first person to forget that and, and, and say to him, like, oh, Tommy, you've been to uh, Ireland. Like, what are you looking forward to seeing again? You know, he's like, uh, uh, the country. Uh, I, was, I was in my dorm room. <laughs> yeah. You pissed myself. <laughs> I, I was watching with, with Carlo my roommates. Yeah. What what hall was Tommy at uh, the other day? And was he was he in Keenan? He feels like an alumni guy. I don't know. Alumni guy. Well, we need to find that one out. <laughs> Maybe that'll say more more about him. But I just I, I think a lot of the arguments against Tommy are from fans have have been bullshit, flat out. You can make strong arguments against him other in other ways. The only legitimate argument is okay, that he's never you, called if, a he's never called he's a football been an offensive coordinator straight up and never called a play in a game. That, I don't care. That, he's never that's been all the OC. argument. If you don't want him as an offensive coordinator, that's all the argument you really need. That's your stance, and that's fine. I don't agree with that 100%, but I can understand that point of view and respect it. I don't respect because he threw an interception against Tulsa that that's how he's not going to be at all good. That's bullshit. That's a, that's a dumb reason. That's a, hate, that's a hater's point. But also, also understand, like, well, this makes good podcast fodder, and and, and obviously we all, <laughs> we all pick our turns in the barrel, like taking well, it, makes, it makes great photoshops, right? Yeah, do photoshops <laughs> and, and have fun with that. Um, this decision is completely out of our control, and you guys, you know, if if they end up picking Reese and you, you're unhappy with that, that's fine. But just understand that we really won't know what that means until a couple games into next year. Really, right. I don't you even know? think it's Wisconsin. Basically, it'll be the Wisconsin game. All right, and I don't think that you can even judge it based on the Wisconsin game because, like, it, ta- it he's never been a play caller. It's going to take the whole season before you have basically until the cl- the. Clemson's I don't know. I mean, Josh Gaddis never called a play in his life, and he was the chosen one in the preseason. Was he? And he? Oh it yeah. Took him, I mean, it basically I, took him until I've never, the Notre I've never Dame seen anybody with, had a that, game. with less experience get that much hype going into a season. Yeah, well, that was going to be my point. I have Josh Gaddis pulled up. He was an oh, he was an offensive coordinator for Alabama, but he didn't call a play. He was a co-offensive. Right. The only thing that matters is calling a play. And we're not going to get the book isn't going to be out on Reese until the Clemson game in November when he's had a chance to put his thumbprint on a season. And we'll know, see in Clemson. I mean, goes, I'll tell you what, if it's going south, to, we'll know a lot. <laughs> a lot of this goes back to what Brian Kelly said when Chip Long was hired and people and. In that first year, people were talking about, you know, Long's offense and this and that, and how much input was Brian Kelly going to have? And and Brian made it made it very clear and a very clear point, and that was that you know this has to be the Long Kelly offense because at some point Chip Long's going to move on, and they're and they're not going to go from, you know, and he said it in the press conference he he talked about subtle difference, so. Don't expect I don't Brian Kelly does not want a drastic change in offensive philosophy from what they were running with Chip Long. That was that wasn't the point, um, you know, of a lot of this. He I think he's very comfortable in what they did offensively as a philosophy. Now, whether the play calls were, you know, whatever other issue, the offense itself, as it was built, was not the issue with with Brian Kelly. That this that was the long Kelly. So it's there's good. He's looking for that subtle kind of a change. I I think. So when you start talking about 
national searches when people are talking about that. Well, you start these big names. You're looking at big transformations coming in. And honestly, for a guy like, you know, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. Sometimes you see them come in and they, and they, they try, they change too much and things go real sour or they're a breath of fresh air. Uh, you know, it, it's a coin flip. So with Ian book coming, which we pre- presume he's coming back for a fifth year. I mean, Brian, Brian Kelly's flat out said at the press conference, he knows he knows what his roster is going to be next year. And the funny thing is, all these players talking about haven't even thought about it. Good, not good. Yeah, they're, good. they're but that's after the bowl game. Yeah, Brian Kelly's up there saying, "I know who what everybody's doing." <laughs> They'll let them tell you. Um, so I, I'm I'm going to presume that Brian, uh, Ian Book is coming back. Uh, so, how much of a change do you want for a fifth year guy on a team that, again, according to Brian Kelly's own statement? Should be really good next year. They got a lot of nine of eleven starters. Yeah, they got a lot of players coming back. You know, on both sides of the ball, they got a great kicking unit <laughs> coming back too. Great special teams unit. I mean, how much change do they want with that grade of team? You know what I mean? They kind of want to just tweak that's, some things to make it point. better. So, because other than other than, I mean, if they want to, if Tony Jones wants to come back, other than Chris Fink and Chase Claypool the entire offensive roster comes back and they're bringing in, you know, Tyree and Johnson. So Dude, I, know, some... I know you love that more than anybody What's like, that? <laughs> that, that Brian Kelly's up there saying that he knows exactly who's going to be on the roster next year. And then all, <laughs> all the players are saying, I haven't even thought about it yet. I know you more than anybody are. Well, I get why the players are saying it, but it's so, it's so fake. I mean, like Tony <laughs> Jones barely the, the whole show of it all. doing it, you know? So what, let me, Jude, what's, what's your opinion on, on some of these guys, look, I was, I was going to talk about a little recruiting tonight because was look at National Signing Day is coming up on Wednesday. I don't think we need to. I think we're just going to we're gonna, just to talk a little bit more here about maybe next year's roster, just a shade, um, and then we'll call it uh, call it a night. Uh, but I want to ask ask you flat out, who do you think who do you think is coming back? Who do you think's stay, um, going to be taken off? Do you think Tony Jones Jr. is going to come back next year? Just that, I mean, even if it's just a guess, do you have one? You know, he's the one that's the hardest for me. I, 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 I don't know. I have no good sense. I, I honestly, like, either way would not surprise me, right? If he doesn't come back, then he's just going to go do something else with his life. Because, I, I mean, he certainly could ball out somebody somewhere else, but it's not, you know. He's got the tires on the NFL, well, right? I, I don't think his well, draft well, stock. Josh Adams went undrafted. What do, you, what do you think Tiny Jones, I mean, he'll get a mini camp invite. That'll running backs are funny, yeah. though. I mean, running backs in the league are, are, are a funny thing. Gosh, you want me to do this? I mean, Tony, the XFL right. now, man. There's if the Tony XFL Jones players for the draft. For the here, here's who Tony Jones the, is. Here's who Tony Jones is. He's Jalen Smith's brother. He's wow. that type of back. Now, he's made, a, he's made a living in the NFL here and there, but it's been rough. Well, you you could be, right? be a bigger back with ball skills, which Tony has, and – and make it for a few years, but, but it may just be a few years, and you might, you're probably going to be a journeyman while it's happening. You know, does he try to go to, you know, does he try to go to a max school to be the absolute featured back? I, I think next year, I want to say a log jam, but I, there's some tough decisions to be made next year at the running back position. But you know, if Tony comes back, who does Tony, Tony get planted by? Yeah, if Tony and Jafar Jameer Smith, Sebo uh, Flemister, well, Jameer Smith got, got planted by Sebo Flemister. Yeah. So um, I mean, I mean then you got next Chris Tyree season you're bringing in. in Chris Tyree who's going to be the speed back. So I mean, I, I Kyron Williams. I would say there's a lot of back 
There's no way Jones Chris Jr. comes back. Come there's back. a lot of running backs in that room. Chris Tyree is going to require five to six touches next season for any 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 offense. You guys are all like, like worth his. Why does he play more? Uh, I don't know because he's hurt. Yeah, I mean, Brady Lindsay, why does he? One of the beefs I had with the the with Chip Long's play calls is the fact that you didn't get the ball into the hands, and and that was one of Brian Kelly's he sat points. Out games with concussions, like did you forget that Braden Lindsay was on the shelf for a lot of these games? And yeah. quote unquote exhaustion. Do you remember? Do you remember his tweet well, about? I mean, how, they don't have to how, say exactly uh, what it was. I mean, everyone's saying it's concussions, which it probably was, and but then the word comes out that it was fatigue. Yeah, fatigue, and then he he shades out the quote after he has a huge game. Well, maybe he took maybe uh, he took a maybe he'd rather be known that it was a concussion and not fatigue because fatigue sounds like bad on him. Yeah, yeah, more demeaning than I mean concussion. People can understand where fatigue just sounds like you're not in shape. And I think a guy like Braden Lindsay would take offense. He and takes I, his scraps seriously. I mean, he gave up track, so yeah, he takes. But I mean, I, you, I, I guess just overall. Regardless of how they lay it out next year, it, that's a crowded running back room. You throw Avery Davis in that mix still too. I mean, up until spring when they move him three more times. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just it's he's gonna. I think he's gonna need some assurance from the staff, which they don't have fully in place. That you know that he he's not just gonna be there to be a body. Um, if you can't put a four three speed kid that you've never had at the University of Notre Dame, because Will Fuller eventually developed into a four three speed, nobody has come in to ND with the kind of speed that Chris Tyree. If you can't figure well, out a way to put him the on last the last <laughs> what about Rockets? <laughs> but Rockets <laughs> like can't say, they can't didn't even that. have. They, it's it's tough to say with Rocket because they didn't they they didn't have electronic times and a lot of that was was silliness. But Rocket absolutely, but it. At least in the modern, like our lifetimes, right? At least well, since the eighties, they haven't brought it. It was definitely in our lifetime. <laughs> yeah, as, but as was Ricky Waters, as was as was Mike Miller. Uh, <laughs> there's there's been a lot of speed. After all, yeah, some, Notre Dame has had a lot of speed. Notre Dame has had a lot of speed come into it. But I but that does not diminish your point with that. Look, one of the biggest knocks in Notre Dame over the last 15, 20 years is team speed and explosiveness and. You know, that was why people were banging their heads up against the wall there with is Dexter Williams. It, nothing they, they more. Need that, they, need, they need that explosion on the field. You want to be able to, a guy that has the ability to take it to the house at any moment. You get that lane and go. There's not, but, there, there's so, I mean, every fan base does this, but. Oh, yeah. The, the, fr- the freshman that hasn't taken a single snap automatically, the fan base assumes that he completely understands the playbook. That he's completely not overwhelmed by his class load versus uh, his fo- his football responsibilities. That he but has here's where I, injuries. But here's like, where I agree with 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 the pitchfork mob, though, Jude. In a, a position like running back, I don't give a shit if the kid knows how to pass block. I just don't care. I'm not saying he needs to be the guy. He's not the kid getting the ball 20, 25 times a game. But you have to. There has to be an inclusion of him in the in the game plan with that speed. I just I I've never understood Brian Kelly. I say, I say you give those touches to Lindsey. Well, I mean that's case in point there too. I never understood Brian. I mean, look, this goes back to Stefan Tuitt and and Aaron Lynch not being able to make it on the field against Michigan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've never understood Notre Dame's, especially since Brian Kelly's been there, their unwillingness to throw him to the wolves a little bit. 
Like there's I mean, like they're, 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 they're walking around. out there and ball and they well, I mean, Kyle Hamilton out there Danny to ball. Spot was hurt. Right. But I mean, I mean Kyle Hamilton got out there to ball. If Brian Kelly, I think has come around and didn't he have a quote saying that if it's not on, if we're not able to find a, a way to get that kid on the field, it's, uh, it's on us. Then he put it, then he painted himself into a corner on that one for sure. And, and he should be held accountable to that because I, I mean, that has been the issue. Like the thing with Dexter Williams, like this whole time about hit, like the him not being able to catch a pass. Well, number one, I saw him catch a great pass in 2017 against Michigan State for a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, so I, I understand what happens in practice, and they're worried about his pass blocking. And you know, if he, if he's out there, they know that we're going to be running the ball. I don't. None of that gave a shit. You had one of the best offensive lines in school history in 2017. I, you've you've had some great offensive lines. I don't just go out there and give them the damn ball. And, you know, it, like in 2018, the stuff rate was in crazy high, right? 25%. Yeah, it was crazy. It was horrible. But they gained a lot of yards because Dexter may get stuffed once, twice, third time, boom. To the house. Yeah, he, or he's getting 40 yards. I mean, just you got to be able to, to trust that your playmakers are going to be able to make your plays. And I'm sorry if he is not an all-around back all the time. I, I guess I just don't care. I would like then, to then point you, then out you need to, that you need to change your offensive scheme around the players that you have a little bit more, which I think that that's what's what it's leaning towards. But just going off a of past history with, with Brian Kelly and South Bend, that hasn't seemed to be in the case. That hasn't been the case. And that's what that what has caused a lot of frustration with fans. Even, you know, I back Brian Kelly right now. You know, you call me a. BK lover, whatever it is, I back Brian Kelly. He can stay there until he re- retires. That's just the way it's going to go anyways. So <laughs> I'm not going to fight it. But there doesn't mean that there aren't some things that just make you want to go, what the hell are you doing? Then it does. And that has been one of them. It's like if you've had these guys use them. I've, Dexter Williams was always an enigma. And, you know, beat reporters will go, well, there's off the f-. I get all that, but he suited up, right? If he played a play in that game, that means that you were able to put him out there at another time. You know, it wasn't like he was sitting on the sidelines, you know, the whole time. I I don't know. I just the difference in we're, speed, we're, like, we're I all, just we are all hoping that Chris Tyree and Jordan Johnson, players of that caliber, are coming to Notre Dame and being used right away. None of these guys are going to be like Chase Claypool level or no. Josh no. Adams level I've, senior I've year. Four to five, I said like five plays a game. Chris, the difference between in speed with Chris Tyree, Brayden yeah. Lindsay this year said that he ran a four four forty, which is fantastic. Chris Tyree electronically timed was four two three. This is not a speed that we're accustomed to. This is like Chris Johnson NFL speed. This is truly elite speed. The difference between Chris Tyree and Brayden Lindsay is like the difference between Brayden Lindsay and. Tony Jones Jr., who runs a four five nine. The difference in speed between what Chris Tyree is bringing—we've never seen anything like Chris Tyree. This is this is something that we are wholly unaccustomed to. That college football, for the most part, is kind of unaccustomed to. He is a truly unique player at the position. And if we okay. can't find a way to get at this kid five touches a game, sweet Jesus, what are we doing? Okay, we're gonna wrap that. So, and you can uh, you can see Chris Tyree sign. <laughs> Notre Dame on Wednesday uh, and all signs point uh, uh, thanks to Tom Loy's digging there uh, that uh, that he'll be uh, Notre Dame 
this month. So let, let's uh, let, let's end this uh, this wonderful podcast with some uh, with some closing thoughts, shout outs. Uh, Jude, I'm gonna start off with you there, buddy. Are you sure you want to start with me? I I am. I I am. You're. De- <laughs> I'm just gonna deal with it. All right. Uh, quick thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast and also donated to um, Ryan Ritter's uh, 24-hour marathon, a uh, video game marathon. He has raised uh, raised close to ninety six hundred dollars, and so he is um, well within shooting distance of his ten thousand dollars stretch goal. So God bless you all for that, and um, and thank you all for um, you know donating to the to the rakes, the Chris Wilson fundraiser for the Center for the Homeless, South Bend Center for the Homeless, and Steve Newman's um, fundraiser for the Godfrey Lee Schools in in Michigan. Uh, those are still ongoing. Those are they can be found. Uh, on our, we publicize them on our website, or just uh, you can look at uh, my Twitter. We talk about it all the time. NDJRS certainly go there. And also, um, uh, unrelated Notre Dame football, send me your uh, recommendations for the saddest songs you've ever heard. I'm actually trying to um, out sad my father. Uh, we're sending each other playlists <laughs> of sad songs. So if you've got some songs that really like rip your heart out, um, tweet at me or like. You know, or say something on the on the uh, the comment section because I'm I'm really looking for um, some from some heart wrenching stuff. So I've got some good I've got some good ones, but I could always use more. Jude, you know, a post I didn't do this preseason that that I did the, like the last four was uh, oh I can't remember what I called it like you know what to do if Notre Dame loses like how to handle every <laughs> Notre Dame loss yeah. and it was it it was based off the basis that after Notre Dame loses you go into a dark room and you put on one song on repeat with whatever booze um and i always picked a, you know a, some drink with it um but those there were some gut wrenchers there there were some bangers in there too there's some there's some stuff to slap sometimes when you're sad you just all you can do but uh yeah, i'm gonna have to think about the saddest songs i know of it's the sarah mclaughlin while the puppies are in cages that's tough yeah. and, like missing eyes that's the one that gets me every time where it's like please don't know there's there's a song on TikTok right now that's really sad. <laughs> I just, gonna, We're on TikTok. But, yeah, uh, well, yeah, Josh is on yeah, TikTok. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, kind of. I, I gotta have to figure out what that 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 song is because that, that that is a really sad song. All right, <laughs> and I'll um, uh, I will put up uh, the links again to those to those charities uh, in the show notes and and on the site. Uh, Brendan, what, what do you got to leave us w- with us tonight? Uh, I will be releasing a uh, children's story, and I will put a PDF link for it uh, for Tuesday leading up to uh, signing day, the, the night before signing day. Hope you all look forward to it. It is a, a fantastic story. Um, the PDF will be there, so you'll be able to download it, perhaps get it professionally printed and get it under the tree. Uh, maybe maybe uh, before Christmas. You can read it before Christmas Eve. Um, so, so that's, that's what I have going on. All about those stocking stuffers over here. Just trying to get those stocking stuff with some one foot down. <laughs> All right. Hey, only thing I'm going to say to end this is like, we spoke a lot about it at the beginning of the podcast. A lot of what you're hearing about when these things happen, like with Chip Long, there's a lot of stuff that comes out just like all of a sudden. And I think as fans and as, as a manager of a website we have to be very careful about the words that we use exact and the verbiage that we use to not paint a picture of an evil person 
uh, or to, to to base things off of off of facts that we don't know about. Um, so I, I just caution everybody out there. Um, like, look, you know, if, if there's something for fact, whatever. But if it's just like this guy said this, this guy said that, you get into it a lot with college football, whether with coaching staffs or recruiting or whatnot. I just think this is a good reminder to, for everybody to to remember: just because you saw on a message board does not make it a fact. Yeah, just because somebody might have photoshopped Chip Long into the Judas spot in the Last Supper picture doesn't actually make him Judas. Is that what you're saying? That is what we're saying. We just like to. Did have you some see fun. his turtleneck in that picture? I feel like <laughs> the most underappreciated part of my entire work is the it fact wasn't. that nobody. Nobody, nobody appreciated the fact that I gave him the most <laughs> giant, glorious turtleneck. And if Chip Long saw that turtleneck, and he would be like, you know what? I'm holding my pieces of silver, but damn it, look at that turtleneck. Yeah, you know what though? There, <laughs> think of how important. Think of how important Judas is, and not only that, but to like religion itself. But not only that, but Judas is like the best character. Because of Dracula 2000, one of the one of the better uh, Dracula good. movies ever made. Yeah, uh, yeah, Ju- that, that, the Judas story in that was fantastic. So, whatever. Judas <laughs> Priest, we all love that band. I thought about putting Mike Elko in there. Okay, do we you know, all? But I, I didn't see it was topical. Uh, yeah, we do, right? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, we're having some fun. You didn't. You didn't hear. You didn't go do. Uh, Go to the site in in the comment section. Write down. Yeah, I heard. Uh, I heard uh, Chip Long walks up to Brian Kelly with a couple of cops, kissed him on the cheek, <laughs> and Brian Kelly's getting put away for fraud. <laughs> yeah, I saw him getting a, a, a sock full of schmeckles. Right? Yeah, Brian Kelly is a cop. It's invalid. <laughs> so, no, John God. Shannon's gonna be a cop. Judge Kelly definitely gonna... is gonna be a cop. That is fantastic. Yeah, we need that to start and end with John Shannon. Yeah, kudos to you, buddy. That's he—he he is the lone national award winner, I believe, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, other than out of all the national awards, I don't even know if there was any finalists. Uh, to tell I you know truth. that Kirk Herbstreit was a lead, was uh, dropping the Herbies tonight. Uh, I got to make sure I catch up on my Herbies um, to to see uh, who won the best. Uh, I don't think a whole linebacker. He was pretty. He was pretty. <laughs> Pretty vicious up in Ann Arbor. I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know if any Notre Dame players. Maybe you'll give one to Kyle Hamilton because uh, he deserves. Oh, more. sweet baby Kyle for sure. The, the 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 golden light from the 2019 season. But John Shannon, congratulations again, buddy. That's important. That that's uh, that's pretty dominant. So we're leaving it at that, and uh, we've got some good stuff coming up. I, we got a secret surprise for y'all, but. Uh, but we'll just let that happen when it happens. And um, yeah, go Irish.